Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 22 to 25. Hebrews 13 verses 22 to 25. But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Take notice our brother Timothy has been released. With whom, if, if he comes soon, I will see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Good morning. Last Sunday, we discussed the end of the discourse in the book of Hebrews. However, there is a postscript. P.S. Postscript. It means uh, the comment after the letter. That's a postscript. I remember when I was young, I cannot, though, I cannot recall if it was a song or a movie. Some of you might help me recall. It says, P.S. I love you. Do you remember that? Some of you were not even born yet. Because I was very still a child then, and uh, no, or maybe teenager, I can't, that I cannot pin my mind on. I could remember, easily remember things in scripture, but movies is hard for me to remember, or some songs. So this is a postscript. It's like, by the way. But because it's part of scripture, we consider it as still inspired by God. So the title of today's message is Bear With Me. Bear with me. Well, if we put it in Filipino, pagtiisan nyo ako o payagan nyo na ako, hayaan nyo na ako. So, it's from Hebrews 13, 22 to 25. So, there's a postscript in this letter. And in the postscript, first he encouraged the readers to listen to his brief exhortation. According to him, this is a brief exhortation, which meant that in person, if he teaches, he could speak a lot more of the subject, and that is what we have tried to do, to expound, to explain based on Hebrews, its connection with, with the Torah and with the prophets, how it connects, and we tried to expound it, and we tried to be as accurate as possible. He said, bear, he encouraged the readers to listen, and that's part of bearing. Please bear with me listen to this word of exhortation. Um, of course, what he meant was the whole book from chapter 1. And take note, when he wrote it, there was no chapter 1, chapter 2. He just wrote, he just wrote the letter. Or others would say, more like a sermon manuscript because it was structured that way more than a letter. It's not like the letter that in Philemon, which is personal, or Third John, which was very personal, but this was more like there was a discourse, although he was speaking about a situation where the Jewish believers were being persecuted uh, socially and they were being attracted back to Judaism. He had to address that. That as much is clear we see in the discourse. His main point, and please don't forget, when you talk about Hebrews, don't get lost in the trees. Always see the forest. You should also see the trees. But you should see the forest. Some people, when they study scripture, they just pick one verse and neglect the forest. 
They pick one tree and neglect the forest. No, the study of Scripture, like Hebrews, we study the intent of the author because we believe that that is the inspired Word of God. It is not literally just the letters. It's the intent that we must search. And it's a wrong way to look at Scripture if you're just looking at verses on the surface and you try to put your own way of thinking in it, your 21st century way of thinking, rather than you look at the first century and how they thought, what was the situation, so we understand what it meant then. So we can now ask the question, if this meant to them this way, then what does it mean to us today? So it's the whole discourse. The main point is Christ is superior, therefore do not fall away. Or you will suffer the consequences. Or probably you're not true believers if you fall away. So that was a, a, the main point if we were to encapsulate the, the thesis of, of, of the discourse, that would be it. Take note, if you were taught in school that you have to write this thesis statement, that's for beginners. Sometimes you don't have to write as long as it goes to a one thought, one solid thought. You can write the thesis out of the main ideas and connect the main categories of the scriptures. He wrote this letter, and that's why we have to read it as one whole, not separate it with verses. Now, the verses, it was humans who put it to help us identify where it is, not so that we separate it from each other. So please take note that we should never separate the verses from each other, but see the connectivity of it. That's why if I train you to study, for example, in the last sermon, the benediction, I would ask you, how does this connect to all of the rest of Hebrews? How do you connect it now? Some people are so quick to connect a verse to other parts of Scripture because that's what they memorized. They're so lazy to study Hebrews, so they can't connect it. Don't be lazy. Study Hebrews, even if the verses were not pop, are not popular to you. Find the connection within the book before you go outside, before you refer to the Pauline epistle or the Johannine epistles, before you go to the canonical gospels, before you go to the apocryphal revelation, before you go to the narrative or historical narrative of Acts, you first see it within the text before you go there. And I expect that discipline to every, from every member here. Don't be quick. Relax. Don't be lazy as well. Some people sound so proud that they know the scriptures, but they connect everywhere without making any sense. And some sermons are like that. Doesn't make a sense. He's going everywhere with this. But rather, if we really see it, what is he saying in Hebrews? If you remove the numbers, you just read through it, it's really a letter. And that's what we want to understand. So now he made these warnings. But then in the postscript, he was approaching it with a, with a humble appeal. It's more like, hey, uh, uh, please bear with me. So he was very strong in his statements. Be warned, God is a consuming fire. And he had to, but then he said, please bear, bear with me. But the P.S. was more like a humble appeal. At the end, he's saying, bear with me. 
then perhaps he wanted to reintroduce the relationship tone, which was evident in the expressed desire to fellowship with the readers. And lastly, the author encouraged them to greet the leaders, which we may presume he also respected because he was a fellow leader. So first point is appeal to listen. Let's break it down. Let's look at verse 22. But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. So the author appealed to the readers to listen to the message carefully. Although he wrote with authority and warning, he hoped that the readers would welcome the short message. And that's the hope of every uh, minister of God or preacher or somebody who teaches God's word, that he hopes, even though he cannot minimize what the scripture says, if the scripture should rebuke us, then it should. Yet he is hoping with a humble appeal, without minimizing the authority of scripture on his human level, he's hoping that, please listen, please listen. I know, let me paraphrase, I know it can be offensive. I know it can be really strong. And I know sometimes it is frightening. Such is the fear of God yet our ears must be opened. I know it will challenge some of your practices, that you have to give up some things that you love, and that some practices that you do, you must stop. I know that, but please listen. Every spiritual leader must deliver God's word as accurately as possible. And when I mean accurately as possible, removing even the modern cliches. What when I say modern cliches, modern common way of saying, if we listen to other preachers, many preachers say these things, but if you look at it scripturally, it may not be as accurate. Uh, Some obvious things that I know many of you, because you study scripture, you won't find it there. Uh, Cleanliness is next to godliness. Uh, you, You won't find that, but... I agree that you have to be clean. <laughs> I agree that we have to promote cleanliness, but that is, that is not in Scripture. To be saved, all you have to do is pray the sinner's prayer or the phrase, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, I don't think that's exactly accurate in the sense that there is an element of truth. In fact, it's a lot of truth there. But if you go to Scripture, did Jesus preach that way? Did the apostles preach that way? In, in fact, what they emphasized was repentance. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Paul said, everywhere I went, I proclaim repentance and faith towards God. And you just also see that as an example with Peter. In the first, uh, what shall we do to be saved? What shall we do? Repent. And Jesus used the words, uh, believe, repent, and follow me. So to be accurate is using, preferably using these words using these words rather than uh, following what the, the famous preachers. Because the famous preachers, we have to believe that they're also human like us. That's why we have to be Bereans. In Acts 17, when Paul, Paul himself, the apostle, the Bereans double-checked the scriptures if what Paul was saying was actually true. That's why I even encourage you, assess me. I try to be careful, you try to be careful, because we are all submitted to God's word, not to any human being. Yet some of us are stubborn, are very stubborn, and, uh, and if you are stubborn, 
in this thing, in some of these things, and you belong here, you wait for me. One day, I will, you will catch my attention. I will address you personally and ask you why. Go ahead now, open your Bible and justify it in front of me. I will. And that is my warning to all of you, but I'm doing it still, not because I don't like you. Don't make it personal. That's why this author is going back to the relationship tone. I'd like a church to be more accurate. And we're not the only church like this, but there are very few of us around the world who prefer to be accurate as much as we can. But are we always accurate? No, there's a human nature that we double-check, triple-check. So I have, I have a sermon group that they can double-check me. I hope they do. I've got others around me who study God's Word as carefully as possible. I try to double-check more than one source. Um, when I study, it is just to make sure. But trying to remove all the cliches some of us are full of cliches because of our history with our Christian history that is full of cliches. And even our pattern of thinking of what church should be because you came from a Catholic background, you think going to church is just being present there and go home and mind your own business. But if you look in the New Testament, it's a community of believers that they know what's happening to each other. Even though they grew big, they still met in house to house. And that's how the apostles shepherded the 3,000 and even reached to 8,000. How can 12 manage 8,000? And they said they met from house to house, meaning there were other leaders who were developed. You, you see that in Acts 6. There were seven who were developed there. Uh, they, how were they developed? They chose among themselves people full of uh, good reputation, wisdom, and full of the Holy Spirit in Acts 6, and they made them to serve uh, the neglected Hellenistic widows. Because there was a, somehow a racial disparity in the distribution of food. And from among these servants came Stephen, the one who was martyred, and uh, Philip, the evangelist, where we saw mighty deeds of God work through him. Now, every spiritual leader must deliver God's word as accurately as possible, even if it might offend others. Take note, the leader's goal must not be to offend, but to deliver God's word as accurately as possible. They're two different things. If my intention is to offend, then I am wrong. My intention is to clearly say what it is. Okay, what it is. It might offend. But then the goal, again, is to deliver God's word. Now, there is no other choice but to reflect the authority of God's word. Yet every good leader hopes that people will listen to God's word. Hopes. I hope you understood. I hope you listen. I hope you get it someday. I hope you get it. Now, the desire for fellowship. The author shared the plan to visit the letter's recipient, which would happen once Timothy comes soon. Now, the author expressed the desire for fellowship but did not explain Timothy's burden. Verse 23, take notice that our brother Timothy has been released with whom if he comes soon, I will see you. Now, the author did not explain uh, in what was going to Timothy be released from what was Timothy's burden? Uh, that was not explained in, in Scripture here, but when we say somebody's released 
it could be, mean several things. Now, I doubted that he was in prison uh, because that was never confirmed elsewhere. But again, it is a possibility. But now, I'm not a fan of that, that theory. But I'm more of the possibility that he has a lot of responsibilities. And that when he is free, he, when he's freed up with responsibility, I will wait. the author would be saying, I'll wait for him and then I'll go see you. So there's this desire for fellowship. And of course, the author did not want to travel alone. That's why some believe it was Paul who wrote this. Others would say, if it was Paul, he should have signed his name. Uh, therefore, maybe it's not Paul. Maybe it's one of the team. Maybe it was Titus, but probably a disciple of Paul, or Paul was discipling him. Now, spiritual leaders value fellowship with those they teach. The author was no different. He desired to meet those whom he taught through the epistle, perhaps so he could explain it in further detail. As he mentioned, I wrote to you briefly. I hope I can explain it more to you. Uh, and, uh, and such is the desire for every leader is to fellowship with God's people. And how do we do it? How, do, how can it work if it's a congregation is growing? Before the pandemic stopped, I think we were breaching the uh, we're about to breach 450. We were at the 434 level. And, and how? And before that, there were, when we started six years ago, when I started, it was only Doc Steve and me. And uh, of course, there were others who were helping, volunteering. The elders were there. Uh, but two of us who were proactive in, in certain areas of ministry, but how did it grow? Well, the philosophy of developing other leaders and delegating that authority, which means you allow the growth group leader to represent you. So we say to growth group leaders, listen to the message carefully. There are discussion questions, discuss it there. Take notes, etc., so that you may deliver the word carefully. So how do we fellowship? How do we even shepherd a growing church when there are churches that grow, the biggest church reached, I think, a million. The pastor, pastor recently just died, uh, David Cho. And how can they do it? And uh, I learned that when I read his book. It was done through small groups because he could not be present with every member to fellowship with every member. However, he was represented by the small group leaders. And there are other, area, other models that we see in church today that somehow relied heavily on people being faithful in a discipleship group so that by God's great grace, one day they will learn to lead. But it begins by being faithful. So that's why we say, please be faithful, because if you cannot be faithful in small things, how can you be given responsibility in bigger things? So the faithfulness of just being consistent is a big thing, which means you're consistent, which means you know how to protect a certain time, regardless of how busy you are. If you think right now you're so busy, wait till you get to real life, if you're a student. And if you're in the real life, you think you're busy, I'd like to challenge you. I'd like to challenge how the way you use your time. There's 24 hours. There's eight hours sleep. Some of us only sleep six hours. Uh, there's another eight hours to work if you're employed. And where's the other eight to 10 hours that's left if, if you only sleep six hours? If you sleep eight hours, there's another eight hours left. So what do you do with that time? No, you don't know how to manage time. That's the point. This is just an hour or an hour and a half to meet with your group every week. And if you think, 
if you believe that you don't have time for that because you are burdened, you know the funny thing, people will realize they have no time either because they're becoming more successful or becoming more desperate. But things, when things happen that they become extremely desperate, then they come back and look for the fellowship. That's, I mean, hey, haven't you heard enough of me saying no matter what, stay consistent. If you give God that time, you give it to Him. You don't take it back. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You said, Lord, this time I will meet my small group and commit to fellowship, to exchange ideas, to, to study scripture and exchange notes, or to just share our prayer requests with one another, as simple as that, which means as even just prayer and, and sharing is very important. Hebrews 10.25 says, do not give up the meeting so that you can encourage one another. And I say, stay consistent. You know what? And we don't know what's really happening with you. Now, if you just mention to us during an emergency, because it's already an emergency, we try our best to help. But, you know, how do we take care of God's people? We take care of it through the small groups. You have to understand that. You cannot just, Pastor, I need help. Yes, you can do that once in a while. But I rely a lot on the small groups. I rely a lot on the growth group leaders. And I'm hoping each one of us would do so because... The ministry of discipleship is a calling for everyone, not just for a few. But then you have to take it seriously. How do you do it? The patience, the patience of waiting for somebody or following up somebody, the patience of, of you surrendering your time, but they suddenly change their mind. It's an insult to your time. It's an insult to your, but then, even though you are insulted, what do you do? You become patient. Patient. The author was no different. He desired to meet those whom he taught through the epistle, perhaps so he could explain it in further detail. So I say to us, let's desire this fellowship, what we have with one another and uh, with our growth group leaders. And um, our system here is every growth group leader is connected to another growth group. It goes all the way up to me. That's how I'm connected to everyone. But if there's a growth group leader that does not report to a growth group, I question that. That should be addressed because I don't like that. I have to know what they're teaching. We check one another, and that is necessary, and that is important. And lastly, greet the leaders. Greet the leaders. The author instructed the readers to greet the leaders and the saints. In other words, show courtesy to all, especially to leaders. It is also possible that the author was extending his greetings to the leaders. It says, hey, say hello for me. Perhaps that was what he was saying, but also I believe what he was saying is uh, learn to greet your leaders. In other words, Paul would write that, greet one another. So uh, there's this thing around the epistles that believers should be greeting one another. Now, uh, that's, that's an important thing. Uh, well, 
in a community, you will not necessarily like everybody because they were raised differently. They have mannerisms that may not suit you. But that doesn't mean it's their in sin. It's just their mannerism. You just don't like their mannerism. So that doesn't necessarily mean you don't like somebody that they're sinners. Please. Some of you, just because you don't like somebody, you think low of them. You don't think that way. You just... You have to distinguish what is sin and what is not sin. What is sin and what is a cultural difference between the two of you. And sometimes it's just a cultural difference and that should not be in the same category as this. And we have to process that carefully. Not everybody can process that carefully. So they, their question, they, they, they go like this, Pastor, why are they like that? Why are they like this? And then when I listen, I said, there's nothing biblical about what you're saying. You just don't like the way they do things. Now, we must be careful to have these separate categories. Now, if it's just because my pref this is my preference, I don't like what they do, then I realize it's just me, and who am I? But if it's on this category, oops, <laughs> there is a danger of committing a dangerous sin. This is different. Oh boy, I need to talk to this person. Who's talking to that person? Please watch them address it immediately. So, verse 24, let's read that. Greet all of your leaders and all of the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all now. Uh, here we see that Greet all the leaders and all the saints. These are not dead saints, by the way. When the scriptures talk about saints, the sanctified ones, it means those who believe, those who are justified by faith, those who are in Christ. Now, the author instructed the readers to greet the leaders and the saints. In other words, show courtesy to all. Courtesy. Now, we are forgetting that because of, of the mobile phone. This generation, even adults are forgetting that because we're so caught up in with who we are speaking to on the other end of the line or the game we're playing that that is more now, my score is more important than the greetings of people around me. And that is not good. It destroys the real live fellowship. And uh, those on the other end of the line, you can say to them politely, ex uh, uh, excuse me for a while then greet the people around you, then come back. The, also, the author extended the greeting from those from Italy, which is courtesy as well. Uh, so he's probably from Italy, and the believers in Italy are extending their greetings. Greetings somehow refresh the soul, and we know that, right? It refreshes the soul. Kumusta uh, daw? Hey, uncle said hello. So it's just, oh, hello too. It's refreshing for the soul. But if you're not used to greeting, it doesn't refresh you anymore. You are in a downward spiral that unless your score is good and unless you're popular in social media, that's the only thing that will refresh you and that is dangerous. We have to understand it's the fellowship. The fellowship is refreshing. To see one another every week should be refreshing. To connect to others should be refreshing. Especially from a fellow believer who is far away, that is refreshing. I think we should 
greet our members who are far away, say hello, and say, do you have any prayer requests? I'll be here to pray for you. Yet from one another. Now, I, I encourage you, since you started here, I hope you have met more people or know more people than you knew before, uh, which means you have to overcome that part where you are shy or because you're an introvert like me. Oh, I, if you're an introvert, you have to perform. Sasadjain mo talaga, because it's not natural. <laughs> but because the Bible said, greet one another, then you have to greet it, no matter you feel like shy. Some people are not shy at all. They raise their heads, hey! They're not very shy. Some of us are more of, that's fine. That is fine. Once when I was in UP, of course, I meet people, and uh, I heard this conversation, and actually I was part of that conversation. Uh, and uh, so some of the foreign students were asking, what is this? And uh, of course, we had to explain it carefully, because it's, it's hard to explain if you're not from the Philippines, okay? So we have to explain it in the way that they would understand. So uh, my response was, well, uh, the Japanese and the Koreans like to bow. We do it the other way around. We raise our head. Hey. <laughs> so of course, that's not a very accurate depiction of the hello. It's just usually among close friends or buddies or acquaintances or you you've been with this person for a long time like they're your classmate you could just raise your hey okay but we don't do it a lot uh, but a right now we were taught it i think it's by law one of the laws of bayani where we put our hand here and, and we bow a little bit and that's an that's a replacement for the handshake which is not very uh good for covid we do the elbow rub I think the elbow is better than the fist because the fist, you, you might still bring it to your face. But the elbow, you, you don't use your elbow to rub your face, right? I mean, if you can do that, please show me. See, that would be in the Guinness Book of World Record. Uh, you, it's hard, and you don't naturally do that, like you scratch with your elbow. So I like to do the elbow because it won't reach my face. Uh, the fist, I might even use the back of my hand. It, <laughs> but the point is we greet one another. Now, we don't know each other by name, not all of us. But once you know, you saw that in GCF, you can do the or a simple bow, just acknowledging, I think I know you. Greet all the saints. Now, if you have the courage to say, hi, Ed, you are. That's not the way to respond. When somebody says their name, you mention your name. No matter how funny your name is, you say your name, right? I'm Chiquito, right? That is fine. He's a very popular comedian. Or they don't name you after Dolphy. And isn't that a conversation spark, right? We have something to talk about. Let me go to the application to bring it closer to home. Number one, listen well. Listen to the Word of God through preachers and other believers. Study God's Word carefully, even if it is painful or uncomfortable. 
Bear it. Bear with me. Bear it. Make the word permeate your mind and heart. Let the word penetrate your mind and heart. Let us not turn away from the word if we feel uncomfortable, nor turn away from God's messengers, which would be anyone who reminds us of God's word. On the contrary, it is of great benefit if we obey and submit to God's word. Now, we have to learn to listen. I, I was sharing with one of my clients before about this aspect of listening, and, and uh, she said, not everybody has that skill. It's a skill to be learned. And uh, I realize it to be true. Listening is a skill that must be learned, and not everybody has that skill. Not everybody is capable to listen and try to first understand and then interpret what it means according to who was speaking. Some people jump to conclusion on what it means. Be careful with that because now you're putting words into somebody else's mouth. That's not what they mean. First, you have to clarify, is this what you mean? Yes, before you react, you first say, is this what you mean? Uh, because we might be reacting into something that that was not the intention of the one who communicated. Remember, there is a communication divide between all of us. The way that what that goes into our minds and the way that people understand are two different things, can be two different things. So even between me and my wife, we just like to clarify, wait, wait, did you mean this? Sometimes you would sound, it would sound so simplistic, but no, we have to define it so I truly understand what she's saying. And she, always, she also responds, is this what you mean? I need more context with what you mean. And sometimes it has to be very specific. Why? We've got a hundred things going on. That's an exaggeration. We have a hundred projects going on. Both we have in ministry, we've got more than a hundred people under us each. Uh, more than a hundred each. So when we talk about something, something, we have to really define it so that we can listen properly. It takes time to listen, but listening is an important thing. So to, to say, what do you mean by that? Now, some of us are like in class, we never ask the teachers, what do you mean by that? So we get a low grade. Because we never ask, what do you mean by that? We just continue to assume, or we're hoping to ask the classmate, what did the teacher mean? Again, it's because of that, how you were raised. You know, how you were raised was, you still remember that. Be quiet, you're just a child. You have to overcome that. That's not the real world. That's your world. That's not the world how you should connect with the rest of the world. It's good to be quiet and to be wise when to speak. Choose your words carefully at the right time. That is good. But never speaking at all. Never asking so you get more clarity is not good. So sometimes we react, we get angry out of something that we may have misinterpreted. And if we realize we have misinterpreted, of course, and that can happen. So what do we respond? How do we respond? Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't understand you the first time, but thank you for clarifying. But please don't lie in the process. Some people lie in the process. No, you didn't understand me. But then, you know, if an analytical person listens to you and tries to connect the dots, which one is true now? Now, if I'm in the mood for logic, I won't let you go. I'll drill you down until I find the truth. If I'm in the mood for logic, 
Yeah, sometimes that's my pastime, looking at logical problems and try to... Reading journals helps me a lot. I mean, academic journals, in terms of analyzing how these things... It's, it's training my mind to dissect the complex. You know why it, we need to develop that skill? Human nature is complex. It's complex. So when listening to somebody, I have to listen to a lot of variables to understand. But many of us rebel against the complex processing in the mind, so we try to make it simplistic. You do that after you process the complex. That's when you simplify. But if you jump to simplify it without understanding the complex, then we will be mistaken about understanding God's Word, the author, who uses a lot of excellent Greek logic, and also one another. So I like to ask, so what do you mean by that? Is this what you mean, or is this what you mean? So if you mean that, therefore what? So if therefore this, what are the implications, A, B, or C? You go through that process, you create a process in the mind, and do not use your cognitive biases. You, the word cognitive is about how you process things in the mind. Now, biases are because you already have established things. For example, when you look at uh, certain people that, oh, ganyan talaga siya, this person is like this, that's a dangerous qualification. Because some people may have bad habits in the past. A, a pastor should think maybe they have overcome those bad habits already. We're always looking for the new, that they have probably grown, grown and matured. But there's also a probability that they have not. But to always classify them for life about a certain mistake they've done is not right. We watch for growth factors, and we celebrate more the growth. We have to learn to listen. Now, some people can't process. Sometimes after you explain something, they go to their default setting. You know the default setting in the mind? Again, simplistic, because they don't want to process. They go simplistic. Uh, because, uh, well... We have to greet one another, but if we fail to greet one another, some are very simplistic. Oh, he doesn't like me, because your mind is only between two people, those who like you and don't like you. No, there's a bunch of us who don't know what to do with you. Because we don't know you that well. We don't know if we like you or you don't like you. But you belong to the fellowship and we're commanded to love one another. I don't, and that is not necessarily an emotional lovey-dovey-doo. It's a commitment to the truth, and it's a commitment to be patient and kind, and not to keep a record of wrong. Friends, listening is a skill. If we learn to say, it's a skill that I must develop, because everybody should develop that. Until today, I'm trying to develop that skill. It's a lifetime. Especially in raising children, you have to listen carefully, because they are complex. Now, young men, if you're going to get married, you have to understand that because a woman's emotion is more complex than yours. It's more complex. So what? And you have to listen carefully. That's why, gentlemen, young men, calculus will help you if you get married. Because you have to cal calculate 
carefully. Because x equals what? Because the x is the emotion and sometimes you don't know what to equate it with. Because x is sometimes 1, it is sometimes 2, it is a replaceable variable. But after a while, you will enjoy it. <laughs> and once you get it, <laughs> it's fun. Because what? You decoded her. <laughs> now you understand her and you say, Hallelujah, I am free. Uh, I now somehow know how to relate. But that extends to all of us. To all of us. And especially going back to the real application. I'm, I went sideways, by the way, sub-applications. But going back to the real application, it's to understand and listen well to God's Word. Don't be simplistic. Some of us, because we have a background theology, we put it there. No, careful. First, let the author speak. Don't put meaning to it immediately because you read a theological book or because you're Arminian or Calvinist, now you put a system into every word you read. No, first, before you get into systematic theology, you have to be good in biblical theology. What is that? Again, the intent of the author, understanding the historical background, understanding the literary background, understanding even the period and the time, and then understanding what it means then. You have to understand their culture as well. Number two, fellowship often. Desire godly fellowship with other believers, especially with spiritual leaders. If we open our minds and hearts, we will gain wisdom and receive blessings to care for our souls. Now, our, our spiritual leaders are not perfect. And I'm extending this to growth group leaders, not just elders and pastors, but include the growth group leaders and those who decide. They're not perfect. But you know that if they know they have sinned, they will repent of their sin. That's the thing that we want to see. Because you won't find anybody perfect. But make sure it's clearly sin, not just an opinion of yours. Okay, because you have opinion of what is right and wrong, and there is what the Bible said, a sin and not sin. Or gray area. Make sure your opinion is on this one. Don't let the, your preferences dominate. For example, I like different types of music, except the music that's not accurate with doctrine. When we sing worship songs, it has to be accurate. Now, what style it is, I'm more open to what style you, you, you use. If you, even if you go African style of beat, or if you go to a more soft, wavy beat, like a Latin bossa nova style, doesn't matter. I, li I like listening to jazz praise if you went to jazz. But the lyrics must be accurate in terms of what the word teaches. So the preference is, I don't judge anybody if they like it noisy. If you like it noisy, can you just do a separate fellowship for yourself? If you like the noise, for us who like the mellow sound because we're older and we lack the energy to respond. <laughs> so maybe we can create our own, which is just a much softer approach. But again, I cannot judge people based on the preference. Fellowship often, but then gives space to receive one another, including our differences. Including the differences. Let us fill our fellowship with wisdom from the Word and stories with His goodness in our lives. We may also share our burdens so we may pray for one another. It is pleasant to encourage one another. Uh, that's why in, in a growing growth group, 
because I want everybody to share their, their blessings, their testimony of how God blessed them for the week or their thanksgiving. I want everybody to speak, but if it's a growing group, then I say let's divide into smaller groups so you can talk intimately and everybody has a chance to speak. So everybody can glorify God. Then when it comes to the word, if you still believe that they're not as mature in handling the word, then you centralize it again. But the opportunity to pray for one another and the opportunity to share their blessings is an important factor. And there's also the fellowship, which is just, let's just barbecue. Or let's just come, come at home, let's have coffee and uh, bread. Well, if you want to make it communion, make it wine and bread. And do the Lord's Supper there. Oh, you may invite me. Just make sure you have good bread, all right? Uh, <laughs> and we can break bread and drink wine. And that is, the essence of communion is, is not always formal. It is a meal. It is a mealtime, but it's a mealtime that recognizes the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is a holy thing. Now, let's fellowship often. Now, if we cannot do it face-to-face, -face, let's do it online. But again, I, real church is not an online church. So this is superficial. you watching via video. This is superficial. The community is to see one another, to connect one another. But then, for now, this is what we do for the sake of safety. But uh, some experts are saying that things are getting better because we don't hear the 20,000 a day in Metro Manila. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. I'm not the expert here. Perhaps the vaccination is working, perhaps. Uh, Singapore has declared they will learn to live with the virus, which means, well, anybody can catch it. But we have to live our normal lives now. They're pushing that. And if you catch it, these are the protocols you must do. And they just ask you to be responsible. Uh, they're, they're experimenting and the rest of the world is watching. And uh, because some believe that, yeah, uh, expose everybody. <laughs> it's a dangerous way of thinking, but expose everybody. And uh, eventually we will all develop a lot of immune system and then herd immunity will happen. But again, I'm not the expert, but... My prayer is that one day, and I hope soon, we can be restored in real, a real fellowship uh, with one another, where we can invite one another into our homes or into our coffee shops here and into some restaurants, and we can just be happy to be, to be together. And lastly, show courtesy. Always show courtesy to all of God's people, especially the leaders. As a community, we should build God-glorifying relationships. We must overcome our shyness and timidity, and we must remind our fellow believers to be courteous. Now, it's a dangerous thing, this, this generation of smartphones, and I'm talking to young people and adults, where we, 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 have, we give more time, and, and we can understand that sometimes, because you have an emergency call, that you have to take it. But sometimes it's not an emergency. Let them wait. You have a real person in front of you. Let them wait for a while. There are some conversations that can wait online, and there are some conversations, like having a meal with somebody. If you eat with somebody, don't lose that n the normal way of eating where you talk to one another. Now, if you say, but, 
But my parents are hard to, are so uncomfortable to speak with. Well, you will be a parent someday. You will understand them later. And then, but the way to go do it is to go through it. And you just say, Mom, Dad, is it okay when we talk? Can you not mention this? I'd like to talk about it when we are in private. You have to open up. And they will take mental notes. And trust me, your parents, whether they react well or not the first time, they will remember it. And they will adjust to it. Okay? But then the value of learning to talk on the dinner table is very important. Let's not lose that the courtesy we show each other. I say to young people, when I was here six years ago, uh, in a room, when an elder will come in, nobody cares. They just talk to one another. No courtesy. I said, bad manners. So I took the initiative to lead the youth, and one of the things I taught them, hey, when somebody comes in, and they're older than you, especially if you're in their house, you stop and you show courtesy. Good morning, Po. Never lose that, especially in Bicolano, that is expected. Of course, we can't do the mano right now, so what do they do? They just smash their heads. And this is fine. This is fine. Heartfelt hello. Show courtesy. Say hello to one another and show respect to our leaders. Uh, why it, it's beneficial if they remember you. Um, why they will shepherd. Even if they, they don't handle you directly in a growth group, at least they know you. You know what eldership meeting is like? Some of it is like about deciding things, whether what kind of generator we should buy that will benefit the congregation, just in case there's a blackout, not brownout, blackout, which happens with very strong typhoons. There is no electricity for the whole town, in sometimes the whole province, and, you, and many of us don't have generators. You have a place to go to to recharge your phones, and that blackout happens for a month. So in eldership meetings, we talk about it because we anticipate these things happen, and we are capable now of spending on that. Other things that happen, there's an emergency here. How should we handle this? Because the growth group already handled it. It's time that they elevate it. They can't handle it, but first we say, can the growth group handle it? Then we go through meetings of taking care of people. We talk about such things. We talk about such things about people, about whether what they would be deciding that can affect the church, for example, or themselves. That is what happens in elders' meetings. But if they know you, they can easily confirm, yeah, I, I met that person. So it's also for your sake. Now, don't think leaders are, are these insecure bunch of people that need to be greeted. No, we can live without you, but we were tasked to take care of you, okay? We were put in charge, so it pays to know you. And sometimes just by seeing your faces here every Sunday, well, I cannot see all of your face, half your face at least. Do you know sometimes I find it hard to decipher because of some half your face? Uh, I think I know the eyes of this guy, okay? So you're at the level of just knowing the eyes, okay? At, and sometimes, I'm, sometimes you get to mix up people. Uh, show courtesy. Now, we show that we listen, we fellowship. Let us remove the discourteous Filipino culture. Now, 
Let me qualify that. Filipinos are very courteous, but they can be very... I don't know the word. Insulting. Why? If you want to say no, say it. I'm sorry, I cannot because... Or I can't make it. Period. But then what will you do? You will just not reply. Not reply? Try speaking to me face to face and I won't reply. What do you feel? You just simply say, I can't make it. Sorry. That's good. And to those of us who receive it, stop arguing. Okay, if you really can't, but try if you can. And that's fine. But just not to reply because you wanted to say no, but you don't know how to say no. You have a very low social score. When I say social score, not social media score, a social score in real life. And what happens if you have a low social score? You're alone. There will come a time, because you disrespect so many, you, what you sow you will reap. You will find people not responding to you because you can easily do that with others. Let go of the phone and pay attention to the people around you. Now, if there's an emergency, you have to politely say, please excuse me. Something's happening right now because, and I must be on top of this because something will go wrong if I'm not on top of this. So you say, excuse me to the ones you're in front in front of you and then you do it and we will understand that but if it's just your crush let them wait right oh pastor you don't know I can't let them wait you can just say one minute I'm in a meeting I'll call, call you back Let's learn to value each other because we belong to the family of God. And that let us learn to listen and to speak wisely so we may glorify God. There's much to learn in the postscript. There's much to practice in the postscript. And that includes all of us, myself, of course, number one on the list that must comply with it. And uh, we have to listen well to one another. We have to desire fellowship. And we have to show respect, courtesy to one another. And uh, that's, you're not the center of the universe, so don't make yourself, don't make everybody adjust around you. You are not the center of the universe. Christ is. You are not. And if you act that way, your social score will be very low and we will respect you less. That's the truth. We're not, it's not intentional, but our, the respect for you goes down. If you say you have to meet somebody and don't show up and you allow them to be in that place without saying so, and your reason because I'm busy. What are you, the center of the universe? Well, take note, you did not die for, for us, Christ did. Learn to be as humble as everyone should be, as respectful as everybody should be. Because the family we belong to does not belong to us, it belongs to God. And it's just by grace we are here. Let's value that. Let me share to you 
a poem called Postscript of the End. An appeal from the author we read, which all believers must take heed. With open arms to bear the truth, the word of God our souls shall soothe. Though frightful the written warnings, by faith we can see the blessings. We remain true to the greatest, bearing every trial and test. The fellowship of believers, through Christ we are all receivers. The Lord himself, our common bond, together to the great beyond. Our hearts call to one another to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Thus let us grow in fellowship, which may lead to discipleship. Courtesy then to all the saints, blessings in Christ with no restraints. Greet all the spiritual leaders, some advice to all believers. And now we end this brief discourse, the Holy Scriptures as our source. Marvel at the glory of Christ, from our slumber now we arise. But the end is the beginning. We speak to all those believing. Now stand and speak of his greatness. Proclaim the gospel with gladness. Let us all rise. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. And thank you for the practical instructions from your word that we may develop the skill of listening to process, to react less, but learn to respond after understanding. May we all grow and learn this. We admit that we have fallen short many times. We were quick to judge, quick to conclude. Do forgive us, Lord. Allow us to fellowship often. And as we do, keep us safe from disease and from accidents. Yet as we fellowship, let us learn to love one another by being patient with one another, by being kind to one another. Lord, we pray that we learn courtesy, something that we are forgetting. And some of us are no longer teaching at home. Teach us to respectfully coach each other, remind each other that we should be courteous to one another. Teach us to use our words wisely to show respect to our leaders and to everyone here. And we pray glorify thy name. May the grace of the Lord be with all of us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of his Spirit, may the unity in the truth and the love of Christ fill our hearts to one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
Good morning.